If you live in the Carolinas, you know about this company that we're talking about today. I recently came across an article on Eater.com that reads, Upcoming Market Street Bar will sell Gola Geechee and 843 wines. Bottles made by Davison winemaker Lindsay Williams. Lindsay Williams is making quite the wave throughout the entire Carolinas, and she's taking time out today to talk with us here at Black Equity Podcast to talk about her journey and what it means to expand her urban winery. I'm DJ Motri of Black Equity Network, and welcome to Black Equity Podcast. All right, we are back for another great episode of Black Equity Podcast, and I am truly excited uh, for this conversation. I usually film right here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, really excited. I actually have a local entrepreneur who's doing some global uh, initiatives that I'm really excited about uh, today. Uh, joining me on Black Equity Podcast is Lindsay Williams of Davidson Wine Company. Uh, uh, Lindsay, welcome to Black Equity Podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me. You're very welcome. For those who don't know about you, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your company. Sure. So I'm Lindsay Williams. I'm the owner and head winemaker at Davidson Wine Company. We're an urban winery located in Davidson, North Carolina, which is about 20 miles north of Charlotte, North Carolina. Awesome. So what inspired the urban winery for you to want to put this all together? I mean, I've read a little bit about it, but I really want to hear from you. What inspired it? Yeah, so I was working as a corporate attorney and was really tired of the corporate grind. And I always loved wineries. I traveled all over the world, um, going to different vineyards. Um, I had a particularly impactful trip um, in Italy. I was there for my friend's wedding and I got to stay in Tuscany on a vineyard. And so that was something that sparked a love of wine in me and wine making and the process behind the wines that we drink every day. Um, So I I kind of always knew that I'd be working for myself one day. And so I started to explore how do I bring a winery to where I live in Davidson, North Carolina. Um, So initially I thought I would buy a vineyard. I very quickly realized that was a uh, $4 million endeavor, which was not something that I had access to. Um, So I started to research what were some other ways to bring a winemaking concept to my town. Okay. So you have this idea, you initially or you immediately started researching and figuring out what is your role within this overall ecosystem. And so what is the next step from there? How do you go from an idea to creation? Yeah, so I think, you know, being an attorney, I'm a very um, task-oriented individual and goal-oriented individual. So I mapped out a plan and I said, you know, how can I make this come to fruition? So I started to research ways to have a winery without having a vineyard. And so that's how I stumbled upon the urban winery concept. And then I knew from there I needed to learn how to make wine because that's not something I knew how to do. So I partnered with the California Vineyard to do an internship program over a year where I both learned, you know, textbook winemaking and then also got to do some winemaking in person in order to be able to um, have my own urban winery. And then there's the totally um, other aspect of this, which is, you know, we've got a brick and mortar in Davidson. So I'm researching, you know, how do you run a tasting room and have food and a menu? Um, So it was a lot of preparation. I actually, you know, spent a year and a half prior to opening, researching, learning, 
um, speaking wow. to other individuals about how to bring this concept, what's the best way to do food service, all of those things, because, you know, being an attorney, I very was very um, well versed in the business side of this, but not necessarily in the execution side of this. So I had a lot of help and a lot of great mentors along the way. There's a lot of black equity in what I'm hearing. I'm hearing about partnerships. I'm hearing about doing something that's never been done in your particular area as far as the urban winery. And I want to look at both of those. And then also with the, the year or so of you uh, studying and figuring out how you wanted to, to move forward, I'm wondering uh, part of that journey, you know, what type of roadblocks you, you end up hitting. Uh, so before we go into that last part, let's talk uh, briefly about partnerships. How important was it to have that partnership in the beginning where you had that internship where you are learning, uh, I guess, the foundations of this world that you're about to walk into? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't have been lucky enough to have some key people in this business who helped me. Um, I'm very open about that. Um, I think a lot of people look at my Instagram, my social media and say, oh, this is great. And she did this from nothing, but I couldn't have done this without help. Um, I did not have hospitality experience before this. I did not have winemaking experience before this. And without that help, I wouldn't have been able to get off the ground. And that's one of the things I tell people. I think I get a lot of people asking me, well, I want to do what you did. And it's like, you really have to do the work before yeah. you get to the you know, execution phase of this and really you know, partnering with people and learning um, the trade. You mentioned something that I didn't even think of. This is a hospitality industry. Why didn't I put that together until just now? Listen, I didn't either until I opened <laughs> I mean, there's a whole other piece of this, right? Like having, yeah. Yeah, having Davidson Wine Co., the location is really a separate business in itself from the winemaking and they're separate buildings. So um, it really is like running two businesses um, on a daily basis for me. I never thought about this being in the same realm as hospitality, but it really is. It kind of just flows together. And unless you're, if you blink, you may miss it, but the hospitality is a huge part with the wine tastings and uh, building a sense of community. Um, okay, so then you also mentioned uh, about the, um, the steps of, you know, a year and a half of learning all these different uh, avenues of where you could go. Uh, what happens during that time? Do you, do you find yourself getting frustrated in any sense or was it a smooth road how did that that time frame go with preparing uh for lunch yeah i think learning the wine business was probably the easiest part of this um okay. just because like you know i i love to learn i loved school i'm one of those folks so you know i really immersed myself in learning um book learning you know my program i went through just really soaking it all up and that part was fun to me the actually making it happen and the not fun part of the wine industry, I think is something that I wasn't prepared for. Um, the wine industry is heavily regulated. So um, there are just so many steps in this process um, from local and federal approvals, dealing with the state alcohol commission, those types of things that were happening all in the background while I was doing the fun stuff. Awesome. So you launched your winery. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you as well. What is an urban winery? And how is that different from a winery? I just want to make sure I get that, that 
as well. Yeah, sure. The definition of urban winery is a winery where you are making wine without having a vineyard. Um, So for us, we import all of our grapes from all over. Um, We use um, wine brokers and and grape growers from all over the place. And then we import the grapes and then make our wines. So um, that's the difference between an urban winery and a traditional winery. So when was your first initial launch and what did you learn during maybe the first six months to a year? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I got to add. There's a a lot in there. Um, So we launched in August of 2019. Um, So we had a couple of months before the pandemic hit. Uh, So yeah. So Mm. I think in addition to, I think the thing that I underestimated most about this was how difficult the food service portion of this was going to be. Um, people frequently ask me, like, what's the hardest part? It's the food, hands down, especially being somebody like me who, you know, I am not a restaurateur. I'm not trained in this business. Um, I am lucky enough to have uh, my landlord owns a national franchise, a food franchise. So he was very helpful. But had I not had him, I would have not known what to do because it is I have such a greater appreciation for sitting down at a restaurant now than I ever have. Wow. Wow. Okay. And but so I'm hearing rumbling that you've built this wonderful company that has gotten a lot of attention, but you're also about to expand. But you just mentioned that you launched right before a pandemic. (laughs) So I'm trying to figure out, wait, you did all, you're doing all this and then you're expanding. We got to talk about expansion. When did you know that you wanted to expand beyond uh, your first initial location? Well, you know, it's actually funny, the pandemic in a lot of ways, as difficult as that was for us, it also helped me to realize what was working and what was not working and what our Mm. real true potential was. Um, So, you know, we're very lucky in Davidson. We're very busy there. We've got a lot of great events, a lot of of crowds um, that come to Davidson. And it became clear to me through this pandemic that, you know, we've pretty much maxed out what we can do here. Um, So then, you know, it's the age old question of, well, then how do you expand this business? And so um, one of the other things about the the pandemic that has happened in that I know a lot of folks have experienced is that there's a lot of opportunities out there. Um, So um, we were lucky enough to be contacted by somebody who was selling a wine business in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, And so it was kind of one of those things where it seemed too good to be true. So, um, you know, my husband and I drove out there to see it and it's right in the middle of downtown Charleston. So Yeah, and it's very difficult to get into downtown Charleston. It is. Um, especially in the historic section. So, you know, we kind of looked at each other and we're just like, yeah, I think this is it. Um, so it kind of, you know, fell in our laps, but it has always been in the plans. Okay, I'm sensing some more Black equity here. Okay. <laughs> you launched your company in 2019. And when did that phone call happen about Charleston? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, no. So it was April-ish of 2021. Okay. Do you think that was happenstance or do you, do you, did you have a previous relationship with the people who ended up contacting you? No. How did they know about you? So I think that's, you know, one of the great things that we have been able to do is garner a lot of attention, right? I mean, we've got a great social media Um, We've been lucky enough to have so many media outlets like yourself cover us um, and, you know, really recognize what we're doing. And I think because of that, we are on the radar for a lot of things, which is great. That is a huge blessing for someone to reach out to you and basically put you in position 
to expand, not only expand, but expand the right way. Because now you're both locations, and I have a feeling you might even have some more up your sleeve. Both locations are strategically positioned in really great areas mm-hmm. and where people will appreciate what you're offering as far as uh, the wine. Um, wow, it just, it's amazing. So what are your uh, plans for your expansion in Charleston? Yeah, so it, our Charleston shop is going to be a little bit different from Davidson. We aren't going to have a kitchen. It's a small location, as most of those places are um, in downtown. So we're going to be partnering with other restaurants on the food aspect. Um, but we are, we've are we created a Charleston Wine Co. brand of wine. So mm-hmm. some of the wines you can get in Davidson, you will be able to get in Charleston. But we're also introducing a number of new wines to the Charleston community. Wow. Uh, I, I want to go back just for a second when you said that you went to Italy. Um, when you were in Italy and you uh, maybe had that first uh, bit of inf- uh, inspiration around launching uh, your company, what was it about or what was different about Italy uh, that uh, had that sense of inspiration for you? You know, I think for me, being in Italy and Italian wine is such, has such a culture around it. So in, in Italy, it wasn't about what label was on the wine. It wasn't about who yeah. made the wine. It was really about the experience and honoring the process of the winemaking. And I think that's what's very different. And especially some other countries in the U.S. is, you know, we're very focused on who made the wine and what's the label. And in Italy, they were very focused on the experience. Um, So, you know, every night we would gather at our villa table and we would all sit at a long table and, you know, have whatever the current house wine was with our dinner. And it was just such an amazing experience. And so it was amazing to experience wine in that way, which was so different from what I was used to. Now, tell me about uh, your wine club. I think this is important for our audience to know about. Uh, If you could just tell us a little bit about your wine club and how people can be a part of it if they choose to be. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got two options. So for folks who are local who can pick up their wine, we've got a monthly pickup wine club and you get two bottles a month. Um, You also get invited to all of our events and you get first dibs on tickets. Things sell out pretty quickly. I'm at Davidson Wine Coast. That's a good perk. And then you also get um, discounts in in store for us. So um, that's something that we we really um, love our wine club members and their repeat customers. And then we also have a quarterly shipping club. So if you can't get to Davidson, North Carolina, Um, you are able to have your wine shipped to you quarterly. And so we'll ship you six bottles every quarter and you'll get to experience our wines just like folks who live in Davidson and the surrounding areas. I love it. Okay. I have a couple more uh, fun questions for you. here. Okay. Okay. What is the major difference between being that corporate lawyer and being this, uh, this wine owner who's expanding into multiple... Um, locations. What's the main difference between the two worlds? Well, I think for me, the difference that has really been challenging is I don't, I no longer have a work day. So when I was a corporate lawyer, even though I worked a lot, at some point I got to put everything down and have, you know, my time, even if it was only two hours a day, it was still my two hours a day. Um, You know, owning something like this is really a 24 hour a day job, it seems like on most days. So um, just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to work on being better <laughs> about it, not being a 24 hour a day job, but, um, especially right now, since we're still kind of in the building phase, um, it's just, there's a lot to do. Um, I've got a large team of people, 
um, and there's just a lot to manage. So I think that for me is the main difference. And did you, uh, prior, were you managing people before? Is this Okay. Yeah, I was, a, I was a senior vice president at a bank. So um, we were, I, I had a huge team of people to manage, hundreds of people and um, lots of large projects. So I think in that way, though, that has very well prepared me for this. That makes sense. Okay, now it's all starting to connect. Okay, <laughs> okay. So how do people who are listening to uh, this episode, we, we really pride ourselves on making the proper connections and linking people together. Uh, so, you know, a lot of our audience is entrepreneurs, investors, uh, strategic partners. What is it that uh, they could potentially add value to or what are you looking uh, for that could potentially add value to your company uh, in this moment of Black equity? Yeah, you know, I think I've been talking, I get a lot of folks who want to do something similar to this, who, you know, I have been very blessed and lucky to have the means to do this on my own, but that's not most people's stories. And so for me, I think, you know, I've seen wine collectives places. I would love to be a part of something like that. Um, That allows folks to be able to kind of do what I do without having to have a brick and mortar. Um, I think that's something that, you know, the industry needs and would, you know, provide opportunity for other people. Um, I also challenge people, um, you know, people see me doing what I do at Davidson Wine Co., but there's a lot of ways to get involved in the wine industry, and the wine industry really is lacking diversity in key points like distribution, um, retail sales, um, those types of things that it would be great to have more of um, us represented in those areas. I've, I, you know, I want to talk about that distribution side. I've been wanting to, that's the area that I would want to be in. I want to be in the distribution side. How do we get things from one side to another? Uh, but I'm hearing that, and please correct me if, if you know know better, I'm hearing that it's difficult to get into distribution because it's kind of like these main players within the game. And you, in order to get into it, you would have to team up with other distributors in order to do that. Have you heard anything uh, similar to that? That's very true. So the distributor for my wine is a small family-owned distributor, and I did that on purpose. Um, because there are a lot of, there's a lot of large players. And to me, they don't need me, right? <laughs> you know, they have the, all of the big brands and are, you know, really taking over the market. But I think for small wine brands, I prefer to distribute through somebody smaller and family owned because they're going to give me the time and attention and they understand my business better than one of the main players. Um, so it's very, very, I think, important for, and, you know, there's not a lot of diversity in that either. So a lot of times folks will be like, oh, well, I want to have whatever Black-owned wine brand come and do something or send their wine. And, you know, I have to explain to people, like, not all of those brands can be distributed in North Carolina. Now, if we had more diverse distributors who champion those brands, you might be able to see more of those brands on the shelves right here in North Carolina. Okay. Thank you for that tidbit um, as I enter into the distribution side. Um, another question that I had for you uh, before we uh, head out is where do you see um, where do you see us as black entrepreneurs and investors in the wine space over the next 10 years? How do you see this thing shifting? I am hoping that it continues to grow. Um, I think it is a difficult business. And I think that folks, uh, you know, are breaking through. Folks like me are breaking through. But mm-hmm. I want to make sure that we are able to sustain 
um, that it's not just a fad, right? Because I think we've all got a lot of momentum because people are supporting Black-owned right now. People are more interested in Black-owned brands in general. And so I know that that's propelled me and others um, kind of to the forefront. But I want to make sure that's sustainable. And I think, you know, one of the reasons why there are these main big wine players is because the wine business is expensive. So I think, you know, thinking through, like, how do we help support each other? What are some of the investment opportunities? Um, those types of things, just to keep this sustainable and to make sure that this isn't just, you know, the next year or so we're interested in black wine and then we move on, but that we're really able to sustain and, you know, build, you know, old, wine brands with longevity you mentioned investors and i know a lot of people who listen to this episode are going to be investors how do they invest in you what is the proper way of making that that contact or making um that pitch oh gosh uh, as far as <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you looking for in an investor yeah i mean so for me it's somebody who believes in our mission who believes in our brand and kind of you know shares our vision for expanding and i think for me you know as i continue to think about you know we'll see how this charleston expansion goes and then see if we add a few more on there so what does that look like does that look like franchising does that look like adding some investors to different locations um you know i haven't exactly figured that out but I know that there are people a lot smarter than me who do this stuff all the time who can think about, you know, what's the best structure to grow, you know, a, a, grow a brand like me. So when these investors do hear this episode, where do we go? How do we reach out to you? What's the best way of contacting you in order to make those contacts? Yeah, so there's a couple of emails for us, you know, info at davidsonwinecompany.com. That's usually the best one and that'll filter its way to me for sure. Um, you know, we're very active on social media. So generally, if somebody DMs us, we, we get right back to them. Um, and then we do have a um, newsletter sign up that has all sorts of things. We're going to be starting a trade email, um, something that I'm interested in and get a lot of questions about our restaurants and retail outlets that want to carry our wine. So we're going to be, you know, kind of growing that side of our business and being more formal about it. So um, also be looking out for, you know, separate trade emails for the business side of Davidson Wine Co. That was actually my next question. So the trade email will be the, the perfect place for Black restaurants, and really all restaurants, yeah. who are interested in partnering with you and, and actually housing the wine in their restaurants. That would be the best place for them to go. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Well, what are your, uh, your final thoughts on uh, expanding your urban winery. <laughs> and for those who are looking to expand a company that may not be in the same industry, but just expansion overall, what uh, feedback can you provide to up and coming entrepreneurs as well? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I have really realized, especially over the past year and a half, is that, you know, life is short and, you know, playing it safe sometimes is not the right thing to do. Um, so I believe in, you know, taking chances, um, but also, you know, making sure you have a really good solid plan to fall back on if things don't work out. So I would tell people, you know, not to be afraid to take the next step. Um, my mentor always tells me that you've got to keep your foot on the gas pedal. That's his uh, slogan. So, uh, and I, I firmly believe that um, in order to continue to, you know, move things along, you, sometimes you have to do some hard things. Um, but if you've got a good plan in place and you've really done your research, you'll be okay. Lindsay, I want to thank you for stopping by uh, Black Equity to have this conversation. What I love about our episodes 
is they end up being icebreakers, right? Where people will reach out and say, hey, who should we be paying attention to? Who should we you know, contact? All I got to do is slide this episode over to them and say, hey, this is someone you should check out. And so I want to thank you for coming through, having this conversation on Black equity. And the doors are open anytime you want to come back and continue the conversation. Thanks for having me so much. It's been fun. I look forward to coming down to Charleston and see what's going on. I was about to say, come <laughs> visit us for sure. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Thank you again. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. want to take the time out to thank our guest Lindsay Williams for uh, coming on Black Equity Podcast and sharing her journey and her story with us. Also, if you are in the Davidson or Charleston area and you want to support this company, make sure that you reach out. We also left the link to the website in the bio. I want people to realize that there are, there are many different frequencies. There's a frequency of expansion and abundance, which we talked about today. And there's a frequency of those who are taking a step back. You choose which frequency you're going to be in. And I'm glad on this episode, on this episode, we're able to talk about your wealth is where your glass is. There's a deeper meaning behind that. And hopefully you caught the wisdom throughout this entire episode. I want to thank everyone for tuning in today. I'll talk to you next time here on Black Equity Podcast.